You're listening to Spinning Around with Haile Minogue on Area 3000. And we're back, everyone. Goodness gracious me. I hope you're all as sweaty as I am after that high-speed mix from DJ Bell. Man, what a powerhouse. Honestly, can't wait to see how much damage she'll bring to the cans that let them eat cake. One thing's for certain, folks, and it's that with her at the decks, everybody will most certainly be eating. Hope you're shaking off that rain from your pits like a cocker spaniel out of water this Monday evening. It is around 7 or just past 7 p.m. A-E-S-T. And remember, folks, whatever you are, whatever you're doing... Woo! Thanks for tuning in for more conversations and mixes with dance music's latest and greatest. Our next guest tonight is a NAM-based Renaissance woman that specializes in saying fuck off to tradition and expectation. Her work spans experimental performance, electronic music production, DJing and event organization, and in all of these facets, she has been kicking goals left, right, center, and perpendicular. As a DJ, she's played many a festival, including Golden Plains and Dark Mofo, received a stunning four-year residency at the infamous Lafag, and has also performed for Disc Woman at the Sydney Boiler Room in 2019. As a producer, She's made four absolutely mind-warping releases of experimental techno with her most recent release, Tai Yai Yai Yaim, being hosted by NAM-based label Heavy Machinery Records. Not only that, but she's about to release Compilation 2 with her NAM-based experimental club series featuring RBI, Indicia, and Dilay, premiering right here on Area 3000 on October 8th. By the way, if you're wondering to yourself, how is she so good at everything? Then that makes two of us. Hopefully, she can help us answer that question tonight. Longtime fans may remember her as Brooke Powers, but tonight my guest is none other than Alexander Powers, aka Female Wizard. Hey, Alexander, welcome to the show. How are you going? Hello. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm good. That was very nice. Thank you. <laughs> I, I'm out of breath. That was, that was a lot. Yeah. Um, Shame on you for having such a massive and impressive resume. I I, I apologize, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you've been building this thing since like uh, 2014, since you started this whole uh, Brooke Power shebang. Firstly, before we even get into that, I need to ask you genuinely, how are you so good at everything? How do you even have the time to do this? Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm all right at things, you know. Uh, <laughs> lots of people are good at things. Sure. And... Um, you know, I think you, I don't know. <laughs> I like to work quite quickly and easily. Oh, cool. Uh, I think. But you can like keep this up consistently? It's impressive. It's kind of, uh, maybe it just like looks that way. Like when you read about things, it certainly doesn't feel like I'm keeping things up consistently. I don't, I mean, DJing has been one thing that I've been able to do for a long time, no matter like how crazy my life got. Uh-huh. I could show up to gigs. Um, blackout drunk and like kind of kill it yeah really (laughs) like back in the day before i kind of grew a bit more of a conscience about that kind of stuff (laughs) um but i really did get away with some things but um what's what's like i want to know how much you've gotten away with at this point i mean blackout drunk yes but how much further can you go i have definitely dj'd in a (laughs) k-hole That's impossible. No one can no. do that. I, somehow I managed, uh, you know, and it was like, it was a fine set. Like, there's, there's, yeah. Wow. Probably wasn't my best, but there's nothing wrong with it. You know, people were having fun, I think. That is amazing. Wow. 
Um, by the way, uh, Area 3000 does not condone the use of drugs. Please do not do them. They are bad for you. Eat your vegetables. Sleep at the right time of the night. I do um, condone the use of drugs, personally. Yeah. <laughs> not our sponsors, though. Um, do you do you ever get tired? I mean, how, what's your sleep schedule like? Are you nocturnal? Like, what's your deal? I am a recovering insomniac Ooh. in a lot of ways. So okay. I... Like my new, my psycho sleep thing that I do like almost every night is I have been doing it for maybe like two years now uh-huh. is I play Adventure Time Ooh. when I need to go to sleep. Yes. And I fall asleep to Adventure Time every night for like the last two years. What's your, what's your favorite episode? What's the one that really gets you <laughs> I there? just, I just watch them all back oh, to back wow. over and over. I've watched the show like a hundred times. Really? <laughs> oh, <Yeah>. wow. <laughs> But it gets me to sleep. It gets me to sleep. Would you say you know? that you remember so, the whole script? Like everything at this point? I, I can like watch it and like like fire out the next line like every now and then. Whoa. But yeah. <laughs> I'd be like really annoying to watch it with someone because I'd be like, uh, you know, that's when this happened. <laughs> I'd be like saying it before the character says it and like ruining everything. Who's yeah. your who's your favorite character after all this time? Oh gosh. Um Oh my god. Everyone has their merits. <laughs> <laughs> um I I am a big like Peppermint Butler fan. Oh, uh, you know he's like one of the like more B list characters. Yeah, so I'm not sure if I'd say he's my favorite, but he's like I have a special place in my heart for Peppermint Butler. I think he's cool. I think he's got a very yeah, like you said, very <laughs> very special place in the show's roster. That 100. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh, that's cool. Did you with insomnia just suffer through it? all this time until you had adventure time to sort of help you through it? I guess so. I mean, um, I just at some point just kind of had to like learn like what is going to help me sleep. And it was kind of like how can I generate a sense of like safety when it's like dark and I'm alone in my bed and trying to sleep because for some reason it was just – that I feel like that was part of the reason why I would often not be able to sleep. And yeah, I don't know. It's a lot of kind of like personal work. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you, how do you feel nowadays? I'm more like mentally stable than I've ever been. Oh, yeah. wow. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's nice. And it's literally just because of the sleep hygiene basically. Well, no, I mean, it's, it's the sleep. It's just, it's a lot of things. I mean, I've, I've did, I've just done a year of psychotherapy. Ooh. Um, and how was that yeah amazing life-changing wow very i needed it yeah um i just had my saturn return too so these things coincided and that's been a big kind of shift in like uh i guess like reconfiguring my values Uh and like the type of person i want to be and whether i'm proud of myself for what i've done and who i am and like and like things that i felt like i needed to change and work on Mm -hmm. and be accountable for so it's been a big shift the like the pandemic has been a big shift wow it seems like the last two years uh especially you know not only with all the psychotherapy that you've been going through not only with you know correcting your sleep hygiene but also even just changing your moniker from um brooke powers to female wizard like a lot has changed for you it feels like something kind of flipped the switch about two years ago what happened yeah i it's <laughs> it's like it's all part of my like little like life journey in my 20s where like um 
you know, I had a very devastating thing happen to me when I was 25. My mom died. Oh, okay. um, and it, it was a very drawn out process. It took two years. Um, and just watching her deteriorate in that time was very difficult. Hmm. Um, and I was already living in poverty or like on the dole and already like, uh, trying to manage a lot of like neurodivergencies mm. and like trauma that I had like zero framework for like really understanding. Yeah. You know, and just trying to like roll with the punches of that. So these things are all happening at the same time. But then once she did pass away, um, as awful as it was, it was, um, a big weight off my shoulders. Wow. Um, and it was just also a kind of a point to look around at my life and like be like, I, I can't continue the way that I'm going. Like I actually need to like, I I have big aspirations and I have dreams and like I, I need to like value myself. You know, I just wasn't treating myself very well with like any risk, any, any like self-respect. So, um, you know, it's, it's been a, like a long journey of like, getting into like self-help like heaps and then getting into like really like new age, like spiritual and like tarot crystals, like getting really (laughs) 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 Um, watching a lot of like YouTube, like spiritual people and just like, you know, getting really into like things like manifestation and like all that stuff because they're things that kind of, (sighs) when you can't understand the world or yourself or how like you're behaving and like, why are you uh, sabotaging yourself or mm. like things like this? It's like sometimes it helps to have these like things you can hold on to that like mm. give you some sense of like control and hope that like you are changing yourself. Like if you if you say it enough times, it's going to happen kind of thing. It's, it's like a framework when there is so much chaos in your life at this time, you know? Yeah. I mean, some people might even argue that it's a similar effect to... Uh, religion for a lot of people like back in the day where like there was so much chaos going on in the world like people dying like people having you know serious illnesses like natural disasters happening like droughts all that shit and they're just unable to make sense of it and unable to really like navigate their way through it in a way that that was safe and holistic for them until religion came into their lives it almost sounds like the way that it's had an impact on you um you know manifestation crystals tarot cards throwing them essentially the whole kitchen sink at your well-being <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah trying to yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, has given you that same sort of guidance and self-assurance like would you say that that's it was a bridge and it got me to the next place mm-hmm. and like i am still like spiritual and like i'm sure we'll get into that more once we start talking about music and stuff Ooh. but for me now it's just much more it's just a much more private practice Mm. and kind of it's yeah it's it's just like a very more like humble engagement with that kind of stuff now where I I don't feel like I need to like prove myself as like some like transformed enlightened person with like a high vibration or whatever but like I do have a relationship with like feeling energy and like using energy in my body and like um you know intuition and like just just having a broader like view of like what um, experiences are even like possible and like what wobbly kind of um, edges to reality. Well, look, Alexander, <laughs> you, you you touched you touched on 
how music has a spiritual edge uh, to it for you. And I do want to touch on that. But even before we get there, <laughs> we need to do some, we need to do some, for, forgive my, for, forgive my crudeness, <laughs> but we have to do some okay. foreplay before we get there. Oh, So let's talk about your boiler room. Because firstly, yeah, right. firstly, I have never in this time that I have been in um, or even in the whole musical world, uh, actually heard someone that, has the same style as you. You are quite genuinely one of the most unique mixes. Um, your selections, oh my god! Like you saw my story yesterday. Yeah, I'd listened to your mix, and I was like, "What the fuck just happened?" <laughs> it's incredible. I really, really like it. Thank um, you. It's challenging. Uh, it, it it quite genuinely breaks the boundaries of anything that I'd heard before, but still sounds fucking good at the same time. So let's talk about Boiler Room because. Not only was this a visually engaging video to watch, but also at the same time, it was the pinnacle, well, one of rather the many pinnacles of your musical career. Yeah. And also at the same time, a very polarizing set. Yeah. Because uh, if we look at the comments, and I'm sure that you have <laughs> as well, <laughs> there are a lot of people that are saying, uh, good, good on her for doing what she's doing, but it's just not my cup of tea. Well, uh, I, I that is that's a very diplomatic interpretation of, of a lot of the comments. <laughs> um, how did you... Firstly, let's talk about Boiler Room. How did you feel when you got invited to it? It's like the mix series, you know, in any DJ's career. That must have felt amazing. It was... I, it's it's somet sometimes when something really, like, you when you you get a really great opportunity like as an artist um, or such just something really good happens to you. It's like hard to like have your emotion because it's like a bit, it's like so full on. <laughs> yeah. um, so I was, I was like, obviously I was pleased, but I was also like nervous and I was like, okay, what am I going to do? Um, and I was also like just like leaving Brooke Powers behind. I'm not even sure if I'd, I hadn't even done a public female wizard set. Yeah, oh. I, I I played a female wizard set only one time before that boiler room. Like really? The, like the week or two beforehand, yeah. Wow. So, um, you know, so but then I found out that they were going to pass zero dollars to to do it, and um, <laughs> I was like, okay, whatever, <laughs> fine. I guess like, I guess I don't have a choice to be like exploited in this way. Yeah. Um, but that's that's apparently the boiler room business model. No. Okay. Well, <laughs> just, just, it's, it's kind of sad to know. I, it is sad to know, but I mean, I was, I was, I was thinking because actually, it's funny. Well, it's not that funny you bring this up, but I guess I was just before we talk, we're talking right now. I was um, wandering around the park, listening to that set for maybe like the first time since like the year I did it. Oh, wow! Like I just, I just have never gone back, you know. And I, yeah, I, I guess I figured we we might be talking about it, so. Yeah, I was kind of, um, it is really experimental, that said. Like, it, <laughs> even by your standards? Yeah, really? but here, like, here's the thing, because <laughs> the crowd were like normies. And yeah. the, the way I mean this yeah. is like, boy, like they, the crowd didn't know who disc women were, right? Really? They didn't really know who me and Jan were oh. or Magda, like... Um, they were there because it was boiler room. Right. Okay. So, and it was like, yeah. And so, um, so they were kind of, you know, you, you, you wouldn't really expect like you'd, you'd expect a normal crowd would probably like want to gravitate towards more normie music. But of course, like yeah. my impression from the booth was like, 
like everyone was like hanging on every note, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why it didn't translate very well to a lot of people online because it was, and yeah, it was like the energy in the room. Well, I mean, um, would, would you agree that maybe Boiler Room in and of itself is kind of a normy sort of series in the first uh, place? Oh, totally. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no. I mean, these people, okay, the, 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 the critiques people had was that there was no drop. Which is which is kind of stupid. Like, it's a it's a it's a huge misunderstanding of electronic music, is what I would call it. Mm. Um, and then a lot of people saying that I wasn't mixing, which is curious considering I was using three CDJs. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, but people just like say that shit, you know. So yeah, I I don't know. I got really obsessed with like reading all the comments, and like there were like hundreds of them on the on the Facebook feed, um, and it was just giving me this sick, sick, sadistic satisfaction. <laughs> I don't know what that's about. I don't know what that's about. <laughs> well, what's your what's your response? I, th- I thought this was a really interesting qu- uh, comment. Uh, what's your response to the person that said, "I don't know why they got a Nam DJ to represent the warring scene"? Like, what what's your response to that? Who said the event was supposed to represent the warring scene? That's that's a fair comment. That's what I that's say. A, to yeah, that. <laughs> I guess uh, the Booker. Is was a guy from Melbourne. It was Bizarro, right? Um, yeah, the people behind Bizarro. Yeah, yeah. Well, it seems like that's a very uh, checkered memory for you when it comes to um, Boiler Room. <laughs> um. <laughs> no, it was great. It's one of the best things I ever created and done in in my life. I'm actually kind of curious to know this because I I realized that the queer scene is so integral to um, both uh, like Melbourne and Sydney's electronic music scene. Um, we could see that obviously with the the incredible power uh, that came from Hugs and Kisses. I would like to know, from your perspective, the Sydney queer scene and the Melbourne queer scene. Yeah, I mean, my, like, conception of, like, what a queer scene is or, like, my experience of a queer scene is, like, so radically different to what it was, like, eight years ago, seven years ago. Like, when I first came out as trans and started, like, meeting people in Melbourne and, like, finished uni and um, became a DJ. Uh because it was much more separate back back in the day um mm. and then um yeah i mean the world just kind of progressed a bit more and then there was a lot of like pro like trans access kind of like just like conversations and discourse online like the whole intersectional feminist like movement and the whole like gender neutral bathrooms started like becoming a conversation and then there was that huge thing about um women being safe from um being assaulted at clubs and Mm. it was like a lot really changed in all of that yeah yeah i remember remember cool room was one of the main players in really bringing about like a safer space for uh non-male participants of the club scene i feel i think what cool room did like they did it like 100% and I think that like I really applaud them for it and I think they were trying to be as innovative and forward-thinking as they could and I think like with what they were doing I think they did achieve it Mm. um it's interesting because the fag um the conception of the fag I remember before the first one Dave um, who runs the fag yeah. or produces the fag took me out for coffee and we didn't really know each other that well but he was like you know, he had had experience going to um, queer nights in Europe and he was kind of put off by this, like, intensity around, like, safeness because, like, queer people for him were, like, 
um, strong and dangerous and like, you know, like dirty, like Mm, um, people that could defend themselves and didn't like need to be like coated in fabric to go to the club. Um, And so the idea behind the fag was like very different um, because, and that's why it worked. And especially at Hugs and Kisses where it was such a lawless um, like stepping into a new different world sometimes yeah yeah so it and it just had that like absolute like there's no like no like it wasn't so like as self-aware as like these other parties that were coming up with all these interventions it was just like freedom and you like make your own way through it it's a very interesting contrast yeah especially between two what some would probably argue like mainstays of like the numb you know, queer music scene. Yeah. With uh, Hugs and Kisses. Firstly, rest in peace. Ugh. Um, I, I miss her every day, every day. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's so hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, it's so, it's really hard. You, yeah. you legitimately had a four-year relationship with Hugs and Kisses. Like, it's- Five, five years. Five years. Yeah, yeah. Five years of pure love and ecstasy, um, both in a figurative and literal sense. Um, <laughs> with- I mean, I've I've really only been to no, actually, I've been to Hug Hugs and Kisses more times than I can legitimately remember because I was too blacked <laughs> out every time I went. Um, but if there is one person that I do remember uh, quite regularly at Hugs and Kisses, it is Lawrence Ricks. Yeah, I saw in an interview that you did uh, about the closing of Hugs and Kisses that um, you actually started off uh, doing the door and essentially just chatting shit with Lawrence. Pretty much all night. That's <laughs> that's very true. You've really done your research. Uh, that is that is true. That is how that's how my relationship with Hugs and Kisses first started. I think Hugs opened like a couple years earlier than that, but under a different name. I can't even remember what it was. Um, it was oh, Buffalo Club. It was like oh, that's yeah, right. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, ne- I kind of never went. Yeah. I didn't really know about it. And then yeah, I got this door gig at the like the monthly hugs and kisses party and it was kind of like my way to be like really connected to this club and also because I was <laughs> I was young and I was like there weren't that many trans women yeah. around is it true that the membership of hugs and kisses so was like 10,000 or so names long and it didn't ever really matter ah uh, it was it was so arbitrary it was just a licensing agreement <laughs> it, they just had a very strange um licensing law because the building was a freemason's temple oh right but like a functioning one and um on the bottom floor right okay interesting yeah yeah wow so it had a liquor license but it was uh like a membership based one so there were certain laws around that right um and i really i don't know how i worked once worked the door and um, one police officer and three like liquor licensing that like they were like walking around like cops. Like they, they had that like really intense energy mm. showing their badges and stuff. Mm. Um, and the owner of the night was just like, Oh yes. Blah, 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 like, t- like we're talking whatever. And you, you've got this night with like, it's like definitely over capacity <laughs> and you're just like, I've got like a broken computer or like people are writing their names on those like pieces of paper. Yeah. Do, do you remember like, Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh man wow uh, do you remember the last song that you actually closed out your closing set for um Le Fag, i um, have two night? versions of i have two answers <laughs> okay okay 
I have two answers only because it is a little like um, the second last song was like the last song because it was a really, really, really special record. And um, and it was like part of it was a house track um, oh. and it's called um, Love on My Mind. Yeah. By Romat. Right. Um, and then because I was so in the zone. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I don't know, you know, it's like one more song, whatever. I played Ariana Grande, but I really Fuck like, yes. she's fine. Yes. The song I love, I loved her. It was a real Ariana summer for me that year. I'm not usually, I, I not usually like even like listen to pop music, but I just, I had an Ariana summer. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even remember. It was, no, it was the God is, God is a woman. Oh, right. And yes. it's a great song. Yes. It's a great song, but it's like, it's such a different vibe. And I have um, the record of Waltz With Me by Malcolm McLaren. And that should have been it because it's like, it's just more relevant to the club. Never But do you feel like if you played Waltz With Me, you might have still come away from it being like, I should have played God Is A Woman by Ariana Grande? No, hell no. <laughs> Absolutely not. You can play it in your dream replays of, of that class. Exactly. Night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, since Hugs and Kisses left, it kind of seems like, at the very least, a very well-known hub um, for that sort of behavior has sort of disappeared. Like, again, like you said, that lawless vibe that they had. Obviously, with COVID being around, like it's been sort of tough for a club to establish themselves or a club night to establish themselves um, to have any particular sort of notorious vibe. But um, is there anything that you're aware of where, you know, perhaps we might keep our eyes on for that sort of thing? I mean, I would probably, I think that's probably like more available in like um, raves and like. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, my friend Kayser threw a rave this year when Melbourne was open and. That was one of the best parties I've ever been to. Ooh. It was like in a weird, um, like shed or something in Thornbury. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've like had really good times at Sub Club, and I mean, I'm I'm really unsure about like the future of like dance music in general. <laughs> Whoa, hold on, hold on. This is okay. This is interesting. No, no, talk to me. Talk to me. Talk well, to me. What do you mean? You're not. You're unsure. Well, I mean, it's just the thing about like. I mean, the roadmap was just like so depressing. Mm, like how yeah. depressing was it? Because it's like I already knew. Like I'm like maybe I'm one of the people that like really accepted that like everything for the rest of the year has been cancelled like a month ago. Mm. You know, and I I'm just like okay, whatever. Like just like we're gonna make it through. And um but then seeing the roadmap and just being the reality, like we're not getting clubs till February. <sighs> and even then it's like what 
horror awaits us in 2022. <laughs> like, we, like it's, We've already had like, an earthquake. You know like. what I mean? Like I have like no hope for like the future. <laughs> I, well, not, I don't have no hope. I'm not like hopeful for like what's going to occur um, in the world or in this country or even in the city. You've become pretty pessimistic. But it's not even like pessimism. It's just like, it's just, I just like accept the way things are going and the way things seem. And my only thing that keeps driving me forward is like, I do have one hope and it is like that we can all like come together and be able to experience music again in a really meaningful way, Mm. like for a really meaningful amount of time before um, everything goes to shit, you know, it's like, that's that's true. That's all I'm kind of, looking for question though if in your opinion the future of clubs and not only that but electronic music in general is uncertain right now you're someone that has you know obviously been djing the circuit since 2014 you've been you know producing recently and putting together this experimental you know club series you know with um power trip etc and have also and we're going to get to this later, but your experimental dance career is <laughs> fucking awesome. Um, but let's talk about the music first. Thanks. Despite all this uncertainty, and you're doing so much, in your opinion, how does how are we supposed to navigate this and get through this unscathed? I mean, is it possible for us to get through this unscathed? Like, what should we be doing to prepare ourselves for, like you said, that moment where we come out of it and the music is just so fucking meaningful for a very short amount of time. Oh, geez. I mean, I can only answer for myself um, and I only feel comfortable answering for myself as well because I, I only know myself and like the worst times of my life I've already lived. So it's like the lockdown and the pandemic is not really bumming me out too much. Like, mm. Of mm. course, it it's taking its toll, but like, I just feel quite steady right now, and I, I work full time, which oh, is man. I I never I've never really had a job before the pandemic. Oh, really? Like I like I never worked. What do you do now? I'm a I am a data assistant for a, a big national union. Oh, data for a union? Hell yeah! Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is it like uh, having this stable nine to five after all these years of not really having that? It is amazing. Really? Yeah. I mean, I just have so much like freedom and stability in my life. Mm. It's also good because I am someone who, if I'm given like lots of time to do nothing, I will just become like a slug and do nothing. (laughs) And like, if I didn't have a job to go to every day throughout like all the lockdowns that we've had, uh, it it just would have been like one million times worse. So I, I guess that's why I bring it up as like an answer to your previous question yeah. because like this really keeps me stable. I have a um I'm, I'm my partner I've been seeing for over two years. Um, that really helps. Nice. And oh, there was a third thing. Oh, and because I can just make music at home and like make mixes at home and stuff. Mm, so yeah, like I'm still being creative and I'm still like forwarding my career in a lot of ways. It sounds like yeah. Prior to this you've got that stark contrast between like not having a lot of stability at all into finally not only having like a stable job, but also having like a stable relationship and then also yeah. great sleep hygiene. I <laughs> know <laughs> uh, adequate sleep. Hygiene. <laughs> um, things are, things are coming up. Things are coming up. Alexander with this all happening as well. Did your experimental dance career happen at the same time? Because this is some of the most amazing 
stuff that I've seen. Like, wow. it, it's, it's genuinely like, I look at it and I'm like, what am I watching? And then over time, I start to really become quite emotionally invested in it. Great. I watched um, uh, Input Outputs, uh, oh, that cool. piece that you did for yeah. uh, disclaimers from wakefulness to consciousness study. Uh, holy shit, you, how the, that's like a, a high intensity interval training workout, like <laughs> yeah. the whole time. You were sweating so much. <laughs> it's funny because it actually, the film starts and we'd already been doing it for like 20 minutes. Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, what got you into this? Like, have you always been into choreography and dance? Well, I, actually, I went, I, I have a Bachelor of Dance um, from the Victorian College of the Arts yeah. and, um, but I graduated that in 20, 2012. Oh, okay. Um, I stopped dancing for a really long time because I kind of, I started DJing and I just, I just kind of wanted to go clubbing mm. and my life was just too, too kind of unstable for me to like figure out how to like manage having a freelance dance career. Like mm. you kind of need to like be a little bit like self-aware in order to, <laughs> to do that kind of thing. So, um, <laughs> uh, it was all just a bit like too hard for me at the time. So, um, I made a solo work in 2019 and that was kind of my return as a choreographer, as like a making my own work as kind of like my first, um, real work yeah. to the public since uni. Yeah. Um, and it was something that I was really proud of. How do you start creating a work like the works that you have made? I mean, there's a context to it. I mean, it's context is in like in you know, in a lineage of like postmodernist dance, which is like a full like movement of, of dance. And, um, obviously I studied it and, um, I mean with dance, it's like me as an artist, when I'm a choreographer, it's like, it's very, like, I do a lot of reading of like philosophy or political theory, mm. um, and other things like that, that really uh, like help me to, um, guide the concepts. Um, whereas music is like almost completely instinct, you know, oh. I just kind of, I have a blank, um, Ableton session and I just like go with whatever just happens, right. you know? <laughs> so, um, yeah, they just have this very like different thing, but I'm really invested in like repetition and, um, kind of these like very like drawn out experiences of watching exhaustion um like accumulate over time mm. uh and then there's like yeah comments on like labor and the body and um how we understand like time itself as a concept and like these are the types of things that like go into like how do i um like lay out the performance. So, so it's not quite as random as it might seem to like an untrained eye. Uh, no, it's not. It's not random. No. No, that, that's, that's really incredible. I, I'm, not, say, I'm yeah. not saying that to be condescending or anything. Like, no, it's, no, of course not. I, I, when, when I say that I was genuinely emotionally invested in inputs, outputs, I, I genuinely mean it. I was like trying to make sense of your relationship to this person that you've tied the rope around the waist to. Mm. Like it's... It's intellectually challenging. Yeah, sure. I, I think that uh, most people I know don't have a lot of literacy for, like, understanding um, contemporary dance. Mm. Um, there's way more – I'm not sure if literacy is the right word, but, like, kind of context because yeah. it's, it's like – it's like when you come across anything new, it like it's it's hard to like understand or like figure out like why certain choices are being made. But then if you know a little bit about the discipline or like its history or like you've seen various amounts of its shows and stuff, then it's like you have like a deeper like 
um, relationship to it. So it's it's like when you first go to the club and I don't know about you, but like I, I first went to like some when I was young, um, le- whatever. Anyway, I just like <laughs> did not understand the music, right? Like it was yeah. confusing to but, me. But, but like, right? interestingly enough, I would say that I still get that same sort of feeling, right? That like... For 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 someone who has never heard electronic music before, mm. or or like really even barely knows about it, maybe the the extent that they know about it is like levels of Vici, you know? like, <laughs> yeah. And they and they come into listening to Tai Yai Yai Yai, yeah. And a post post release comes on, and they're like, "What is happening?" <laughs> to me, uh, you say that this art is created by instinct, like your production. Yeah, it's honestly surprising to me that you say that because it's it feels so thought out in the sense that like you are trying to break as many of the like foundational understandings of like structure and like um, melody rhythm etc in this particular genre and and are being thoughtful about it instead of instinctual like is it true that you really don't think about this at all and you just (laughs) yeah for the most part i mean i have like to be like to break those molds is my instinct. That's just like the person that I am. Mm. And sometimes that's really annoying because like um, it's kind of hard to break molds. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, but it's just who I am. Uh, so it's like like my the, my release on Ontario Grade is like tracks that are really really difficult to like DJ in a, like a seamless like nice way. Mm. And it's kind of it's it's kind of a little bit on purpose to kind of like this is what I was trying to do in the early days of Female Wizard was kind of like shake up like what we like see as possible that like a DJ can communicate yeah. um and draw in a crowd and really move them with like something very different. That's that's why f- when I found out about you through Looper J or Imogen, shout out Imogen, I hope you're listening in. Whoop. When I found out about you and I listened to your productions and your mixes, that's that's what attracted me to it. It was like I've never heard something like this before, but it still sounds really fucking good. Like you're breaking <laughs> everything that I meant to expect which is incredible um are you someone that has any classical training in music whatsoever i mean kind of like when i was a kid i learned the violin and did a lot of singing lessons Mm -hmm. um i don't have like i have a very rudimentary amount of like theory knowledge um like i don't really know my scales but like i know all the other like easy things <laughs> i know what a time signature is <laughs> do, do you know would you know what a polyrhythm is i know what a polyrhythm is okay great because because i want to talk to you about that uh, your your work sounds like a lot of the concept seems to be centered on this idea of a polyrhythm uh. as a former drummer like this really speaks to me uh. like i really enjoy it like um have, have you ever thought about that consciously while you're creating? I just love to like set percussion on 16ths and like have it like modulate in like weird ways and, yeah. you know, and so then I just kind of let it happen or I put on like some like really weird delays and then, you know, as I said, like I'm not like thinking, okay, you know, it's going to be sound really great here, like a polyrhythm. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I should, I guess, add some percussion. Um, and then I'm just instantly drawn to like doing things that are kind of like not like the normal thing yeah (laughs) (laughs) um so it just kind of ends up that way so then to bring it all back i want to talk to you about this you were saying that music for you has a more 
spiritual and religious sort of root to it um, in terms of like perhaps your understanding or your experience of it. Um, in the way that you mix, in the way that you select, in the way that you produce, it's an it's a completely unorthodox way of going about it. What does that mean for you in terms of how you spiritually experience it? Well, okay, like a, a few years ago, before I was before I was Fibber Wizard, I went to Dark Mofo and I got to see um, William Basinski, Drew McDowell. Mersbau, um, Orteca, um, Demdexter, and some, like a bunch of other kind of like some of the best experimental musicians like in the world. There was like maybe five different acts both nights. Um, and I think, you know, I just had this experience of music there that was as moving as any amazing DJ set that I've been to. But this music was like, you know, it was, it was, <laughs> it was the, you know, the pinnacle of like what experimental music is today, you know, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, like it was like Mer Mersbau was like, I, I hadn't, I didn't really know of Mersbau before seeing it. Yeah. Have you seen him? Have you seen him live? I, I've never seen him live. No. And so it's one of, it's just one of, it was just one of the best experiences that I've ever had, you know, like it was, yeah. but I was moving my body is, is the point I'm trying to make. Right. So I was like, moved by this right um and i was really intrigued by this so that's where i kind of learned that you can take a lot of risks right because you can because they can be really moving mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like because i i knew that and when i say like dealing is spiritual and what i'm meaning is like it's like it's just energy like i'm using energy it's not something i'm like i'm not like thinking about energy it's just like performance like I've been performing my whole life. It's something that I do and it's something that I'm good at. And it's like, it's an, I don't know. It's like, it's energy. If you know, you know, that's what I'll say. Does DJing then feel kind of restrictive for you in that sense? Because I mean, out of the arts of performance, it is probably the least physical and perhaps least expressive. In a way, you know? <laughs> I, d I disagree. <laughs> you think, you think that loud, Beats over those loud speakers to all those people who are like dancing and transcending and like connecting to to music and their bodies and stuff like that's that's pretty much as as powerful as it gets in my opinion. Uh, well, I, I think yeah. when I say expressive, I mean more so in that like if you play an instrument or you're dancing or you're singing, even you have full control over your expression at every given moment. Yeah, with DJing, it's almost sort of like. You can express something every three minutes. <laughs> well, I, I would say that, like, the way that you're um, conceptualizing those other things is how I conceptualize DJing. Oh. Like, that, I, f I feel like I'm I am in control and I'm creating a journey. And it's like, you start, like, my set's, like, you take, like, 20 minutes for to, to like, really, like, something to start happening sometimes. Yeah. Like, there's, like, there's, you, it takes a little moment because we all... We all have to like be like, okay, so I have to be like, okay, guys, something new is happening. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was a really great set just that just then. Um, I never mix into the DJ before me. I let I let it finish. Oh. Everyone clap and then I start because and then I, I start and I build something. I build a place where we can all kind of like um start to feel connected and then and then you start to get into it in about like 15, 20 minutes. So that's how you can get away with taking lots of risks because you build like this, like 
this investment, this kind of emotional connection to like, it's like you allow me to take you on a journey. Yeah. You know, when I go out, like the, I am looking for, and I'm generally like hoping for a certain experience. And that experience is like when the set is, when I can give, it's almost like I give my body over to this set. Mm. You know, it's like I experienced that twice this year. And one was um, DJ PGZ at the warehouse rave party I mentioned before. Nice, yes. Who did a closing set. And it was just one of those like, there was a closing set and it's like one of those sets where you, you're there for the first song and you're, you're, you stay dancing until the very end. Wow. And it's like you actually like – it's the feeling of like losing your edges. Right. You know, where everything gets like a bit wobbly and you kind of are just, you're just like having this kind of ineffable experience. Um, I call it like soup, like getting into the soup. Like getting, getting into like the it, soup. When it's, it gets all soupy and it, like everything kind of loses its, its signification and um, it's just a very like vital experience. That's what I try to do. Yeah. <laughs> Your approach to not only with this, but also with your uh, dance career as well. Like you have a real penchant for the interruption of hegemony and a dedication to the experimental. I'm I'm literally just quoting something that I found (laughs) off an article of you, by the way, but a deep inquiry into finding new forms of gathering and spectating. I feel like you apply this to music as well, but my understanding of people that engage in practices that you do are people that have just become bored of the norm. Is that what happened to you? Or were you always sort of looking for the different thing? Yeah, I was I was the latter. I was always strange because I, I went to a performing arts high school and so I did um, ballet like every day. Wow. Style that I do. Mm. Um, um, I don't know what the program is like now, but it was... Um, ballet like the the culture is really like toxic i've heard about that yeah yeah, it's so gross so i wouldn't recommend um putting anyone putting their kids through um like full-time ballet training it's 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 total bullshit but (laughs) (laughs) um uh they really looked down upon contemporary dance like as if it's a lesser form of dance or something yeah yeah what? i mean they really? ne- they needed to believe that to like um reinforce that like this the dance course at this school was what like the? so important what and the? like worthy of like demanding all this like sacrifice from all the kids you know <laughs> oh my god that sounds awful this this faux superiority of a dance form that has not developed or grown for decades like <laughs> <laughs> exactly it's so like conservative exactly yeah it's so strange you were always keeping your eye on contemporary did you just jump over into it at some point or like i had this like gross complex when i was a teen where i was like i have to be different you know like i was like i hate pop music and it was like i was like i was like an annoying person to be around you know so right. um i don't know maybe it's just like a trauma thing or maybe <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's like my like fated like part, like i came out of the womb as someone who was like you know like i i take the road less traveled <laughs> um, i don't know i mean it's just who i am and i, I just i find 
like stretching the boundaries, um, the most moving experiences usually. Talk to me a little bit about Power Trip, by the way, because we did touch on this a little bit before. So you've got this compilation coming up. Um, what actually caused you in the first place to start Power Trip? It's It was a club night I started with another DJ, Matilda, like 2018, I'd say. Um, and I think I just started it because I got like an offer to like host an international act. Um, at, and I was like, so I, I just say yes to things sometimes, you know. And so, <laughs> um, so then I was like, okay, now I'm like doing this club thing. And um, I, me and Matilda hosted like, we hosted like three different artists from overseas. And we, it was kind of the beginning of us like, there was this one DJ night, but we had like an ambient set that like played from like 10 to 11. So everyone was like arriving as the ambient set was playing. And then like the DJ set heart started and it, it was just beautiful, you know? So yeah. it was like bit of that, that was kind of starting to come in, like ha- having these like very different, like giving these very different club experiences. Um, and then we kind of reframed because I was just like kind of in over my head trying to host all these international artists. And I was like, what am I trying to do anyway? Um, and we decided we'd go to 100 person venues instead mm. and do just like something way more focused and use local artists and bring in like performance art. No, that's cool. Uh, with this compilation coming up, uh, how many mixes, how many uh, songs can we expect? So there's two tracks from each producer, which is nice. I really, it's a very de- um, purposeful decision to like have a small compilation. Oh, why? Well, I wanted the artist to have like a proper like experience that they were like part of something. Mm. Like I've met up with all three of them together and like earlier this year and you know, like we're actually like building something together and it's something they can feel proud of. And I, I like struggle to listen to compilations. I feel like all the, like, I just, I just don't have the like patience for it. <laughs> like my, my favorite way of listening to something is like a, a one album start to finish. Yeah. But when I'm jumping across all these artists, it um, I really want my compilation to be like a, a sound, a whole thing in itself, not a bunch like of a different journey. tracks. Yeah. yeah. So, but I pick these people like uh, Regan, um, also known as Indisha, RBI, Ruby, like such a powerhouse, and mm-hmm. um, someone like relatively unknown to the music scene, Arben uh, Zika, who goes by the name Delay, and you know, they all are like amazing for like different reasons, you know, like, um, they've all, I've all, I've been inspired by like each of them. Um, and it's like, it's really great to be given a platform, like to be given, asked to be like, make a mix or like make a track for something or whatever. Like every little act you do as an artist really helps so i like love giving the platform but i want to give the platform in like a meaningful way Ooh, that's why nice. it's like small and like and i i, I just from what so the tracks i've heard so far like it's i'm, I'm so excited i'm really excited. <laughs> <laughs> like i'm really proud of the of everyone like yeah do you have any originals coming out on this one no no oh okay <laughs> Can we expect a, a remix compilation, perhaps? Who knows? There might be some remixes, but it won't just be me. It won't just be my my tracks remixed. It'll be it might be a few things, but we'll see. I mean, I you you asked me earlier how I like do all this stuff. It's like I'm just focusing on one thing at a time. Yeah, cool. <laughs> so, like. I mean, I had a friend who was like running a label and they were like, oh, I have to like work like full, like eight hour days in order to like get this all happening. And, 
you know, for me, it's just like some emails and liaising and correspondence and like, you know, I just like keep it quite easy. Yeah. You just ask someone to make a design, you ask someone to make some tracks, you organize the mixing and mastering engineer, and then you upload the tracks. You know, like it's that's kind of you don't need to overcomplicate. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else there is to do. <laughs> <laughs> no, people's event producers the same thing. They're like, oh, it's so much work, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh my God, it's 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 so little work. Can I present you with one last difficult question before we wrap up this interview and go into your incredibly brain frying mix that you've made here for us yeah all right one last question and this is a question that i'd like to actually pose any experimental artist that comes onto the show and this is not this is not me trying to single you out or put you on the spot or anything (laughs) i if you're on the show i fucking like what you do so like don't ever think i'm trying to like single you out but (laughs) if for the for the purposes of a thought experiment if what you were doing right now as female wizard in both your production and your DJing became popularized and became let's say widely adopted or mainstream how would you feel about that would i mean it, it would i be in like involved in this like movement you know oh, you would be you would be highlighted as one of the pioneers oh, of the this pioneers. particular okay. sound in the <laughs> um i personally think that like there are a lot of people who um, DJ the way that I do and, you know, I get, I get all my music from somewhere. Like it's it's like there's a lot of it, you know. It's, it's kind of one of my arguments is like what I do is actually kind of um, – there's a huge like amount of people doing it, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. you know. So um, uh, I don't know. I don't know if – I think I think what you're trying to like figure out is like whether my interest in it is because it's like countercultural, so to speak. Yeah, um, like whether whether the fact that it no longer becomes um, a countercultural thing intrinsically makes it lose its value. Um. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Agree. <laughs> 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 I don't know. I'm, no, I'm, I'm put- I agree. I'm, I'm putting forward. No, it would uh, make it lose its value because I used to play like um, uplifting house music, but like, you know, you get to a point where it's like, what does house, like 90s American house music have to do with me and my life and the people that I'm playing for and anything that is like going on in the world or for like queer people and like weird people right now? Hmm. Um, it doesn't really, it's like, like, it's it's great music but to frame my whole career around that is like it's rooted in kind of like a false nostalgia so um you know what does like make sense to like play at like this weird like lawless club to a bunch of like almost naked like queer people and other people um would be like music made by the people that look look like the people in the room Right. (laughs) You know, like, yeah. yeah. So, and like has that energy of like breaking the mold and like, yeah, doing something ecstatic because I think that's just like more truthful. Now that makes so much more sense. Now I like that. (laughs) Okay. Awesome. Um, Incredible answer for an incredibly difficult question. Um, (laughs) uh, Alexander, thank you so, so much for making the time to have a chat with me today. Um, You like i said have god one of the 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 most dense resumes in the arts that i've seen 
<laughs> among many of my guests that would be on the show. And I've had some fucking like stellar guests as well. It has been such a pleasure to try and um, navigate our way through this with you and, and for you to be able to like explain or at the very least, try your very best to describe what is ordinarily inexplicable um, <laughs> to me um, in regards to your process throughout all this. Like, I really appreciate it. I, like, I, I couldn't be happier that you're currently in such a good place for yourself, despite all this madness going on with lockdowns and COVID, etc. Like, you, in, in, in and of yourself, you have not only got your sleep right, you've got... Um, <laughs> You've got your music right. You've got your dancing right. Like, I mean, right now, dancing's not a thing, but it will be. Who knows? <laughs> Who cares? Really? Um, yeah. You got your money right. Like, I, I'm. It makes me so happy to know that the, the person behind a lot of this really inspiring art is doing well. And I couldn't thank you more for making the time to come and chat with me today. I hope you've had fun. Yeah, I've had fun talking about myself. Uh, <laughs> I, I hope I didn't come across as too full of myself. That's, Not that's at my all. one no, I, hope. <laughs> if, if anything, I felt like this was a, a, a fun little balancing game of you being overly humble and me trying to be like, no, but you're really cool. Like, please. <laughs> um, hope that uh, everybody that's listening in right now um, Please, 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 please enjoy this next 60 minutes, because let me tell you, it, it um, it's really going to screw you up. <laughs> it's it's real. It's really going to screw you up. It, it, almost every female wi- wizard mix that I have listened to has mentally destroyed me. And um, it is so, so welcome for those out there who are looking for something a little different, something that's really going to challenge their conceptions, their preconceptions of what electronic music is, you're in the right place. You've been listening to Spinning Around with Hailey Minogue on Area 3000, playing Female Wizard right now. <laughs> cool. Excellent. 